Um, thank you. Thank you for showing up. <laughs> thank you for deciding to spend that hour with us. Um, what we're going to do today is talk through a service that we launched, let's say about two months ago, uh, in August at uh, uh, New York Summit. Uh, and since then, we have seen a great response from our customers. Uh, the sign-up rate on a weekly basis is through the charts. And so we thought it would be a good idea to do the same presentation today here at reInvent, um, <clears throat> followed by a, a demo, so you're not just going to hear from us, you're also going to experience it live. Um, my name is Neerav Kothari. I'm a principal consultant with professional services. Uh, in that role, um, in the last four years or so of my employment with AWS, I've been involved in some of the largest migrations that we have done um, from an on-prem data center into AWS. Uh, and what I'm really going to share with you today is my experience doing those migrations uh, based off of that experience, the feedback that we have received from our customers, such as yourselves, which has eventually resulted into a new service launch. Um, I've been speaking about migrations for the last three, three reinvents. Uh, last year, I did a couple of sessions uh, related to migrations at reinvent. And what keeps bringing me back over here to talk on the same topic over and over again is every year that we do this, every year that we receive feedback from you guys, we go ahead and make that into a service. Incorporate that feedback into our platform, and then that kind of motivates me to come back and talk to you about this new thing, this new gig that we did last year. And, and it's completely based on your feedback, plus based on the experience that people like me um, have on the field. So when we're working with customer, we identify problems, we come back, we talk to service teams, and then they go ahead and build out solutions. And these solutions are obviously available to all of you. Um, I'm joined today by my partner, Michael Shanti. He's a senior product manager with AWS Migration Hub, and he's gonna, he's gonna do a live demo um, of the Migration Hub service itself, the product itself. Having said that, a quick show of hands, how many guys have either done migration or are in the process of doing migration. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. All right, so if you are um, in the journey of doing the migration, if you're planning to do the migration, um, this might sound very familiar to you. Um, it's obviously not saying the whole story, but it's a, it's a very high-level summarized view of how AWS professional services views migration um, at an enterprise customer. So at a very, very, very high level, there are five major phases uh, involved in a migration. Uh, starts with evaluation. Uh, you definitely want to know what you have. Um, and then you want to plan what are you going to do with what you have, right? Once you do that, you will go ahead and design based off of your plan. You will, you will build landing zones. You will understand your security requirement pertaining to every workload that, that, that you're planning to migrate in AWS. You will build governance, security. You will prepare the AWS environment to start receiving the servers, the workloads, the applications that you will migrate in the fourth phase, which is migrate. Um, depending upon what's your strategy of migration, 
Some people stop after migrating, uh, but that's not what, a most, what, what most of our enterprise customers do. Once you're done migrating a workload, people usually come back and revisit in what we term as an optimization phase. Um, and, and regardless of what's your migration strategy, an optimization phase will, will obviously be there. For example, we've seen a lot of customers who perform a data center migration under a compelling event such as running a release on their colo, right? And in those cases, the initial focus is not as much about do I have the most optimized, right-sized workload running in AWS? At that point, because you're chasing a date, you will go ahead and you'll do a simple lift and shift, and then you'll come back at the end of migration over a period of time, and you will start optimizing what you're running in AWS. So you will go through right-sizing, you will go build automation, you will enable scalability, so on and so forth. As we go to south, one layer south of that five phase, um, the, the, the second from the top layer is the methodology and processes that AWS professional services consumes to deliver services to our customers. So as you would see, what, what aligns with an evaluation phase is what we internally call as an MRA, or a Migration Readiness Assessment. It's a very short four or five weeks worth of effort where we work with our customer and identify what's the customer's readiness of doing a migration. And the readiness assessment is not just looking at your technology. It's not just looking at your IT. It's also looking at people and processes and helping you identify what's the level of readiness that you have. And if you're not ready, what are some of those areas where you will have to invest time and energy to make yourself ready for a migration? Beyond evaluation, when it comes to planning and design phases, um, the, the engagement is termed as migration readiness planning, uh, planning engagement. What you really do in, 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 in those two phases is <clears throat> you're working towards identifying what's the right tool. If I want to do lift and shift, depending upon what's my current IT footprint, what are my assets, am I going to use a free tool available from AWS called Server Migration Service, or do I need uh, a, a partner tool to perform live migration? How am I going to discover my assets? How am I going to de define dependencies of assets? How do you define move groups? How do you sequence and prioritize applications? Right. All of that happens during those two phases of plan and design. And there's quite a bit of experience that has gone behind um, drafting that, that sort of an engagement. And then at that point, when you come out of the design phase, what we typically anticipate doing with the customer is we build out a, a solid foundation or a landing zone, as you would call it, uh, and we do a pilot migration of a couple of application stacks. So in the process, what we have delivered for the customer is we have prepared a customer a migration factory, and we have tested out the factory and trained our customer by doing a couple of application migrations, at which point the customer has a choice to do all of the remaining migration on their own. They can go and select a partner, or they can continue having professional services engaged 
whereby we will oversee the project and help you perform your data center migrations. The, the lower two layer on that slide are a representation of tools that are available for all the phases of migration. Uh, and you will see we are calling out two separate um, layers in that, in that picture. One of them is a layer of AWS native tools. And then the second layer is uh, all our partner tools. All right. About three years ago, that third layer didn't exist. We didn't have too many native tools. Uh, but over a period of time, again, based on the feedback that we received from our customers, we have built out quite a, quite a good set of tools which natively are aligned towards a migration type initiative. Um, for context, Migration Hub operates into evaluate, plan, and migrate. It doesn't really cover design and optimize. Okay. Um, so as we peel the second layer of this onion, um, we get into a little more details about how a migration is actually executed. Once you go through planning and identifying what you need, how are you actually going to perform uh, or execute upon a migration, right? Uh, in a very typical data center, which is in most cases, uh, there are multiple variants of workloads, multiple types of workloads. You'll have physical servers, you'll have risk servers, um, you'll have virtual machines, you'll have databases, you'll have data. All of that needs to be migrated. And depending upon what are you migrating and how are you migrating, you'll typically go through a workflow a workflow that's pretty close to what, what's, what's pictured on the slide. So you'll go ahead and discover the asset. You will group all of these servers into an application stack, right? Um, once, you, once you do it, you'll identify a migration strategy. And a strategy here is um, what we refer as a 6R of migration. And I'll talk about it in, in my next slide. Once you, once you identify what's your migration strategy, you will have to start thinking about how are you going to move the data? How are you going to move the data before the, your servers show up in AWS? So you'll start thinking about data migration. You will have to define a planning zone, which is built with the security and governance that you're following in your current data center. And then depending upon what's the workload, whether it's a server or a database, you'll pick an appropriate tool and you'll perform a migration. Okay. Um, what happens, um, what happens more than often uh, when you think about multiple types of uh, or, or different profiles of assets to be migrated, um, your migration strategy and your choice of tool is heavily influenced by what you're migrating. For example, on this, on this picture, if you look at the last two blocks, you're, you're going to use a, a different set of tool to, to migrate a server. You may end up using a different set of tool to migrate a database. Right? And that itself starts um, introducing some complexity into the way you will be performing your migration. So before we get into the complexity of migration execution, a quick recap. I did this presentation last year. This is based on um, Gartner's research on five hours of migration. And we eventually ended up calling it a six hours of migration. Um, as you would see over there, um, the first and second are pretty easy, retain and retire. 
retain is a classic example. You're running a mainframe. You got a DB2 running on mainframe uh, that's holding data for the last 30 years. I don't know. Um, and, and for whatever right or wrong reason, you don't want to tackle that problem right now. And therefore, your migration strategy for that given workload is let's just retain it. Let's just leave it where it is, as it is. We'll revisit it after the fact. Retire is something that you're not going to use either because given an acquisition or some duplicate functionality available in a different application stack, you decided to consolidate. Or now there's a SaaS version, a hosted version available of an application, and therefore I'm going to end up moving data, and therefore I don't need this application anymore. So you will retire that application. The third one is the most popular, most proven, a lot of tools available in that space um, is Rehost, uh, often called as lift and shift as well. And there are quite a few right reasons to do Rehost. For example, you're dealing with an application which was developed five years ago. The original developer who wrote this application is not available. There's not enough of good documentation available. If you try running it on a modern operating system, it's failing because you don't know kernel tuning. The, the developer did it, and it's not documented. For all such right reasons, you might choose. You might choose, even for non-technical reasons. The example I took on the, on the first slide was, you're running out of lease on your colo, right? Um, do you really want to spend time right now and uh, modernize the application or the operating system? Or would you rather go and, and, and lift and shift it into AWS and then revisit and fix whatever you wanted to fix with the application, right? So for whatever right reasons, um, rehost could be one of your migration strategy. The fourth one is, is replatform. You're running it on an older operating system version. There are tools available which will allow you to do in-place upgrade while migrating. Or you will have options such as you're running your own database. Uh, sorry, you're running self-managed database into your data center. But now that you're going to cloud, you might want to consume a managed service like RDS. Um, you're welcome to use a DMS tool which will not just do a migration, but will also support schema conversion. So you can go from a self-run, self-managed Oracle in your data center to an Oracle running on RDS um, using DMS. Or you can, also, you can also choose to migrate from an Oracle to a PostgreSQL using the same DMS tool, which is available to you at no cost. And those will be classic examples of migration strategy number four, i.e. replatform. The fifth migration strategy, <coughs> um, uh, refactor, is where you will actually go and, and, and modify your code. You will rewrite components or the entire application so that the application can consume cloud-native functionality such as auto-scaling or auto-recovery or multi-region or multi-availability zones, so on and so forth. And the last uh, migration strategy is re-architect, um, also called as replace in some cases. So if you're running your own HRMS system, you, know, you, can, you, might, you might decide to go and use Workday, which is a hosted solution, right? In which case, uh, it's a replace. Or a re-architect could be you're running a three-tier 
application in your data center, and now we are going serverless into AWS. That would be a classic example of re-architecting the whole application. Okay? So one of these six are migration strategy will apply to your workload. Now there are more terms um, that people have started using. For example, I recently um, came across a term called as redeploy. And, and, and the justification that my customer gave me was I want to use exactly the same workload. It's running on Windows 2012. I want to continue running it on Windows 2012. But because it's a card and I can go ahead and write up a CloudFormation template, I will not do a lift and shift. I will just rewrite a CloudFormation template so that I can start consuming my pipeline or I can start consuming automation. And at that point, the migration strategy is redeploy. Right? So there could be many more such terms, uh, but we pivoted on those six R's strategy of migration. And there's a very detailed presentation available on YouTube on how each one of those R's are executed, identified, so on and so forth. Anyway, so once you go past all of these technical consideration in your migration journey, where we spend a lot of time, a lot of customers really get worried about what tools do I use? How can I do it? And once you identify a solution, right? Let's say, for example, for the sake of this argument, you identified DMS as your database migration service choice, a tool, you're pretty much going to consume that same technology for your entire portfolio migration, right? Answering technical questions in your migration journey could be a one-time activity. What we realized when we do migrations is there's something which is not a single response and which is all the non-technical activities that go along with the migration. Each one of these listed in there have their own complexity. Each one of them will have to be treated as a white glove on a case-by-case -case basis for every application that you'll be migrating in your portfolio. So let's walk through each one of them. Migration scheduling, right? Very, very, very complex thing. It's not a complex thing because the technology is not going to support it. It's a complexity because, you, because of the logistical issue that you'll have to follow with the app owner. You'll have, to, you'll have to verify with the app owner if this application is on do not touch list because it does month end processing, right? And therefore, your schedule could be heavily influenced by what the application owner's readiness to do the migration is from a logistical standpoint. And therefore, migration scheduling you know, is a task in its own. In a lot of cases, when you perform large-scale migrations, the moment you go past 500 workloads, you will have dedicated people working on just scheduling aspects, right? Because you let to plan it, you let to schedule it. Um, along with scheduling, the issue of data seeding comes into picture. If you have got a migration schedule for every alternate week, if you're running a two-week sprint, every sprint has a set of applications that will be migrated. Within those two weeks, you'll have to look at all the data associated to the next batch and start seeding the data ahead of a cutover schedule in the next two weeks, right? And more than often, the technical answer to data seeding question is, is kind of simple. Look at the available bandwidth, look at the data associated to the app, do your math, and you will know it will take about six days to migrate data. But guess what? While you are doing it, 
something legitimate came up that consumed your network pipe, and now you're not seeding data in six days. You're going to need 12, 13, 15, I don't know how many days, right? So putting a dedicated focus on data seeding and then performing a smoke test, you want to really make sure that all the data is available before your cutover schedule. You don't want to be hit by a surprise when you're ready to cut it over. Um, communication plans. There are so many components. There are so many parties involved. Um, I did a retail migration last year, and we were moving the point-of-sale system. Migrating the point-of-sale system in the data, from the data center to, to AWS was not a challenge. The challenge was coordinating with 170 stores globally, which rely on this system to perform a credit card transaction, right? So if you, if you don't pay enough of attention on the comms plan, that has a potential to come back and bite you, right? Likewise, you have to coordinate cutovers and, and, and make sure there's enough of testing resources available. You will not, you will not be able to go ahead and define a cutover schedule on your own. You can't go and dictate this Saturday at 8 p.m. I'm going to cut over your application. You cannot, because guess what? Are there developers available to go ahead and perform the testing at the end of the migration? Because if that doesn't happen, how good is your migration? Right? And then that brings me to the last bullet, tracking and reporting. Right? Imagine you've got 500 servers. The largest environment that I migrated was 18,000 applications. Three environments. Even if you consider two servers, per environment, per application, we're talking over 50,000 servers. If you don't have a way to track and report automatically, guess what? You need a 24-7 resource to answer a phone call saying, yeah, your server is now in the process of migration, right? So you need a way to automatically create this dashboard, some way, some mechanism to continuously keep tracking and reporting the progress of migration. So you can redirect your users, your business owners, to this portal, and you don't have to keep answering these questions on, hey, where are we with the, with the migration, right? So each one of these, each one of these non-technical activities associated with migration has its own complexity, has its own challenges. And to highlight some of it, um, we'll just We'll just dive a little more deeper into tracking and reporting. Um, three major challenges with tracking and reporting. First and foremost, as I said, you, know, you have a choice of using multiple tools, and you will end up using multiple tools in your migration. On this slide, we're talking about you will perform a virtual machine migration using SMS or server migration service. You'll use DMS for database migrations. You will probably use Snowball um, Snowmobile for data migration. You might use application discovery service for data discovery. Right there, we're talking about four different tools. And these are native to AWS. The challenge is you'll have to log on to each one of those. You'll have to go to their console to go and find out what's happening. Right? Even if you do it, right, there's not a single place where you can track all of these tools. Or, or, or status from each one of these tools. Let alone, I'm not even introducing partner tools that you'll be using in the migration, right? Because so far, we are only AWS native. We're still talking about four different places. If you use a partner tool, 
Now you have one more external entity that you'll have to go log in, track status of a, of a system, and then even if you get a status of a system, it, it's not in a single place. How will you report it back to the business? Right? And, and even if you manage to do all of that, guess what? Most of the tools, most of the system, most of the partner tools, AWS native tools, look at a server as a component to be migrated. None of you in this room will ever track or report migration based on a server. Because your business application is not made up of a server, right? It's made up of multiple servers. You pick any tool available today, and, and the way I define it to my customers is most of, the, most of the tools are getting sophisticated, but the sophistication still ends at what I call as a horizontal grouping, my database servers. So a tool will go ahead and give you a list of all your database servers in your data center. It is not going to tie the affinity of, does this database uh, server get associated to my HR application, my payroll, my website? No. What you need when you perform a migration is a vertical grouping of application. And a vertical group is what I define as a, as a business application or an application stack, right? Because your, your vertical group definition will have a web server and an app server and an associated database server. When you're gonna perform a migration, you want to retain that affinity in migrating, right? You will never, nobody will ever go ahead and say, you know what, my phase one is, let's move all the web servers. My phase two is, let's move all the application servers. My phase three is all database servers. It, it, it's not gonna work like that, right? Because if you try doing that, the day you break up the affinity, you will start introducing latency. And the moment you introduce latency, you'll, have, you'll start having complaints. And so what happens is even before you're done with migration, the feedback will be, oh, this project is so bad. Going to AWS slowed down my application, right? So it's never gonna happen like that. And therefore, what you need is a vertical grouping of an application stack. Right? So, given all of those challenges, and, and, and by the way, all of it is not as complex or difficult. I've tried doing it. I have, and, and, and a lot of people in the room would have done this. You would have written up an Excel sheet, which has a server, IP, OS. You will add a column, which will say application name, and then you'll write up a pivot table to go ahead and show you a status of my application HR has those 20 servers, and some of them are migrated and some of them are not, but, but it's an Excel sheet, right? If the, person, if the person performing the migration forgot to update the Excel sheet, the report going back to the business would say the application is not migrated, right? Um, so, some of the challenges. Now, here's a data point. This is based on an experience, it's not published number, so please don't, don't hold it. Um, but based on my personal experience, for every dollar spent in doing a migration, somewhere in the range of 15 to 30 cents go towards overhead of migration, which is all of the non-technical activity associated to a migration, right? So we're talking about somewhere in the range of 15 to 30 cents on a dollar only in the non-technical activities associated to migration. What we're going to do today 
is we are going to introduce you to Migration Hub, which will take care of some of those 15 or 30 cents. All right, so what it does, um, what it does is it provides you a single pane of glass. It gives you a single pane of glass um, where, you will, where you will track all your applications, you will track your migrations, uh, you'll be able to integrate, consolidate tools into this single platform. Um, and, and by the way, it's not just right now, it's not just limited to AWS native tools. There are partner tools integrated as well, and I'll talk about them uh, on the next slide. Um, so what Migration Hub does, it allows you to choose the AWS or partner native tools that you'll use in, that you'll use in your migration, whether these are discovery tools or actual migration tools. And then if you authorize Migration Hub to go and collect information from these integrated tools, those integrated tools will report status back into Migration Hub. Okay, it's available since August of this year, uh, and the good news is it's absolutely free. Okay, if you log into your AWS account today, you will see Migration Hub over there. So it's available, it's available absolutely free. You can use it globally in any regions. The tool itself runs in US West, um, but remember, right now at this point, the tool is only an aggregator, a consolidator or a reporting and tracking mechanism. So if you end up choosing a tool uh, for your migration in, in a region, if a tool is available in the region, you're pretty, uh, you're, pretty much you're pretty much able to use Migration Hub in that region. Okay? Um, one thing to note at this point is uh, grouping of server to an application is a manual activity, okay? That gives you the flexibility to go ahead and once you identify a server, once you discover a server in, in Migration Hub, you can go select all of them and group them into a single application, okay? Um, at launch, it pretty much integrates all the native AWS tools, such as um, AWS App Application Discovery Service, which used to be an independent service until last year, is now completely integrated into Migration Hub. So there's no separate UI or management console, so to speak, for ADS or Application Discovery Service. It's a part of Migration Hub. Um, whether you are using server migration or database migration service, again, both of them being native to AWS, they are integrated right from the get-go. Um, we have listed a couple of partner tools which are also integrated in Migration Hub, uh, Cloud Endure, um, as well as Atadata. Uh, Cloud Endure has a, has a live migration uh, product available, and likewise, Atadata has a product called Atamotion, uh, which can automatically migrate your workloads directly into AWS. You'll go ahead and select a VPC and a subnet, and go ahead and light up an instance on the other side. Okay, um, quickly talking about a few benefits. You know, I've been complaining about a lot of things at the beginning of the presentation, so we'll cover them in, on this slide. Um, improved visibility, obviously, because it's a single pane of glass. You're aggregating, consolidating um, updates coming in from whatever tool of your choice, whether it's a native or a partner tool. 
um, you're bringing all of those status updates back into Migration Hub, and therefore, you, you get an uh, improved visibility. Um, migration flexibility. As I said, it integrates with partner tools, so you don't have to stay with AWS native tools. If your workload demands using one of those partner tools, you're welcome to use them, right? Um, and, and you can still consume AWS Migration Hub to, to provide you that tracking, reporting, dashboarding type functionality. Uh, centralized migration tracking, um, regardless of the workload type, whether it's a server, physical, virtual, database, schema conversion, whatever your use case is, you can pretty much track it and, and report it into Migration Hub. It's multi-region supported today. As I said, uh, the service itself runs out of US West, but in the choice of migration tool that you are making, if that's supported in the region that you want, Migration Hub is, is an aggregator. So you can pretty much drive your entire migration off of a Migration Hub uh, across all the regions. Uh, control access, a very important point. Um, like every other service, like every other AWS service, Migration Hub is natively integrated with IAM. So you will go ahead and create an access control policy uh, or a role which will only allow those key migration engineers to access Migration Hub. That way you're not mixing the cloud engineers with the migration factory experts, right? You can still keep them segregated. Um, you can track them. You can monitor whatever they're doing. All of those great things. Um, and the last one, um, extended migration tracking with API. Imagine there is one of those tools that, that's not listed on the previous slide. More importantly, uh, a different use case. Imagine that you're, you're, you want to automate a lot of this migration activity, right? The APIs available with Migration Hub can be consumed as you would consume any other AWS API. A very good example of sort. You can use those APIs to automate migration tracking and reporting. Use those APIs into your pipelines, into your Jenkins, right? A very, very classic example. If you have trust in your CMDB, I'll take a pause. If anybody has a trust in their CMDB, right? You're welcome to extract the metadata from your existing CMDB. You don't have to run discovery, right? Go consume your existing CMDB. Extract the data out of your CMDB, metadata out of your CMDB, for example, server to application mapping. And use the APIs available with Migration Hub to automatically go ahead and populate discovered servers with application names, right? You can automate whatever you want using the APIs available. And therefore, it's, it's very extensible. Here's the first view of, um, this is a migration tracking view. More importantly, this is an engineer's view of how will I look at a migration tracking dashboard when I'm performing a migration, right? So depending upon, again, the tool of your choice, if you authorize Migration Hub to go and query and receive updates from, say, example, Cloud Endure, you can pretty much report the status of Cloud Endure into the same hub. And on this, on this visual, I would like to draw your attention to a couple of examples. If you look at the first entry on the, on the bottom half of the screen, the second, um, no, the third row says the tool is SMS, which means for that particular server, 
the customer chose to use AWS Native Server Migration Service to perform a migration. And what you see on the fifth column is it says latest AMI. If you're familiar with SMS, you would realize that SMS doesn't go ahead and create an EC2 instance for you. What SMS does is it'll create an AMI based on the latest snapshot that SMS performed for your source machine. And then you can go and click on those latest AMIs and you can pick and choose any one of those AMIs available from last 30 days or what have you and spin up an EC2 instance out of that, right? So what a lot of customers do is during the data seeding and, and smoke testing phase, if your system, if your workload is really that critical, you will go pick one of those older versions of AMI and try installing it into AWS, perform some basic testing before your cutover schedule. That way you're confident that when you hit up the, when you hit up the cutover schedule, you got the best of the image available, right? And so therefore that first record given that it's an AWS native tool and the way it operates, the second from the last row says the latest AMI is available. If you fast forward to the fourth record, the example is a DMS. So it's a database and the customer chose to use database migration service to migrate this database into AWS. And the status reported is a target endpoint. Again, depending upon how the tool uses, or what the tool does, a DMS will create a target endpoint for you. And therefore the status says target endpoint. And then the next record is a partner tool, Cloud Endure. And the way it behaves is it'll go ahead and create an EC2 instance for you in your AWS account. So you will see the status over there as, what is it, EC2 instance, right? So case in point, regardless of what tool are you using, as an engineer, when I log in, if I'm authorized to, when I log in and when I go to Migration Hub, this is what I'll see. If I'm not an engineer, if I'm a prog project or a program manager, I can have a slightly different view. This view is more of a dashboard view. So you will see cluster of application, how many servers make up that application, What's the status of an application as a whole, right? Because if you are one of those program managers, what is more important to you at that point is not getting into the weeds of why is that server not replicating? What's important to you at that point is I am about to hit up a cutover schedule for an application and one of those instances, one of those servers in that application group is not behaving, right? If you look at the second, uh, if you look at the middle part of the screen in the dashboard view, that gives you an overall view of your entire migration project. So there are whatever number of applications represented in that gray bar, which you haven't even started, right? So if you are doing a data center closure over a period of two years type initiative, that middle view becomes a lot more important to you because you want to keep track on what's being scheduled, what's not yet sorted, because you're gonna cut it over after six months, right? And then when you look at the last, at the, at the bottom view on the screen, um, I would like to draw your attention on that purple line. The purple line represents a cumulative progress or, or a velocity of migration, right? When you're doing your first migration, 
because of the experience, because of the training, because of you trying to test it out, your methodology and your processes, you will take smaller steps. As you learn more out of your migration initiative, as you make progress, as you mature, the number of applications that you're going to cut over over a weekend will keep rising. And that's the velocity that the purple line's representing. Okay? So regardless of whether you're an engineer or you are an exec, there are different views available to you. Um, but as I said, more important being, regardless of the tool that you will be using, there is a single aggregated view available to you to track all of your migrations. Okay? Um, now that we introduced migration tracking, let's see how it works. So there are two separate use cases that I'm going to talk about. One, where you're not going to perform a discovery. You're just going to migrate, right? That's an option available, by the way, right? And then the second example, where you're going to perform a discovery and then group them into an application and then eventually end up migrating the service. So this is the first use case where you're going to perform a migrate. Uh, sorry, where you're going to perform just migration. You're not going to do any kind of discovery. When you do that, it's a very simple four-step process. Um, you will identify a tool, and the assumption is you've already identified a tool. You will go ahead and authorize Migration Hub to get an update from the tool, right? So you will connect to Migration Tools. You'll group servers. Using whatever tool you have chosen, you will perform migration of the application, and that's it. Status will be available in the Migration Hub. Whenever you feel comfortable beyond testing, you'll go ahead and decommission the servers on your own, at your own time, uh, into, uh, from your, from your on-prem data center. Okay? Second use case is where you don't know what's your asset. You're going to perform a discovery. And in that case, the first most important thing that you'll do is you'll go ahead and identify what tool are you going to use for discovery. Here's an example of using an, an AWS application discovery service. When you're using an application discovery service, and I've got a couple of slides on application discovery service, um, so we'll talk about it in a little more detail. But your choice with ADS is, do you want to go agentless or do you want to go agent-based? Once you make that decision, once you roll out the tool, whether these are agents or an agentless solution, that'll start feeding data, discovery data, into Migration Hub. The rest of the lifecycle is pretty much the same, consistent. Once you have those servers, you'll go ahead, group them as applications, right? Um, once you do that, you will go ahead, select whatever migration tool you want to use, perform migration, and Migration Hub will continue providing you status. Okay? What I want to do is I want to spend a little more time about two or three minutes talking about application discovery service. I introduced application discovery service last reInvent, and then we got a lot of feedback based on which we have been enhancing the application discovery service. I'm not going to spend a lot of time. I'll go a little more faster because we want to leave enough of time for Q&A uh, as well as a live demo. Um, so application discovery service, as the name says, will do three major things for you. One, it will discover servers. Two, it will measure performance. And number three, it will capture dependencies. Okay? So what a discovery service will do, again, is it will do a time series-based utilization tracking. So you can go ahead and, and use the data to right-size AWS instance type when you are migrating. 
Number two, it will look at all network connections and processes. So you can go ahead and identify dependencies between applications, which will aid you in defining move groups. Okay. Um, real quick, it'll allow you, it'll, it'll, it'll help you in assessing a total cost of ownership. As I said, on a time series utilization data that you're capturing with ADS, you will be able to go ahead and right size instance types, right? Most people in the room would have had this experience. When you go to an app owner and ask them about what kind of system do you want, right? Most app owners have the tendency to say, give me a big fat machine. I need more CPU, I need more memory. Are they gonna consume all of it? Probably not, right? So using a tool such as ADS, and there are many more tools which will do that, but there is an opportunity for you to right size instance types. Um, you can very well plan your migration. Network and process information collected on a host allows you to, 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 to define dependencies, which will allow you to define move groups. And, and that aids into planning priority sequencing of which application goes first versus what goes next. Um, it's very, very secured. All the data that, that ADS collects and shares uh, encrypts data in transit as well as in rest. Okay, and the way it works is if you enable ADS from your AWS account, as an account owner, only that account has access to the discovered data. Okay? Uh, it's multi-region. It supports pretty much any region. What you end up doing is if you consume any resources, uh, that's the cost you pay. But ADS itself is, is very free. It's, it's, it's free, not very. It's free. Uh, it's, it's obviously integrated with Migration Hub. Uh, back in the day, it used to have its own standalone console. Uh, not anymore. Uh, the console for an application discovery service is integrated into Migration Hub. And the last one is there's a lot of flexibility in terms of how do you discover, agentless versus an agent-based system. Um, and here's the difference between both of those. Uh, an agentless system obviously is designed for a VMware vCenter only, right? So when you really think about it, technically what we're doing is you deploy an OVA onto your vCenter. We consume vCenter APIs to go and gather bill of material and utilization information from VMware hypervisor, okay? Versus, <coughs> if you're using an agent-based system, you can use it on any physical or virtual server, okay? Um, it's very, very easy to install if it's an agentless system. As I said, it's a single install per VMware host. Um, if, it's an, if it's an agent, it goes on each server and it runs in user space. Now, that's an important classification. It runs in a user space, which means there is no extra overhead on the host that you're going to run the agent on. There are no security issues, concerns, because it's running in user space. We are not going to consume any of your existing kernel modules or device drivers. Okay? Um, in terms of OS support, anything that you can run on VMware, agentless will capture. Um, for agent-based version, most known versions of Linux and Windows. You talk about CentOS, Ubuntu, um, Amazon Linux, Red Hat, or we talk about Windows, right, right from Windows 2003 all the way up to Windows 2016, ADS will support, okay? Um, 
What kind of data will it discover? Obviously, if it's an agentless system, there's not too much deep learning. And therefore, what's happening is anything that we can, that we can gather from the hypervisor is the data that ADS, agentless system, will make available. Versus if it's an agent, we get a lot more deep into the type of data that we collect. For example, network information, processes running on the host, is not available with an agentless version. Okay, um, and the last one, uh, in terms of flexibility in exporting the data, uh, with an agentless system, there's not too much data to be exported, but you can still go ahead, use the APIs available um, to download a CSV of what the agentless system has for you. If you have an agent-based system, if you're running an agent-based system, there's a native integration with Athena. So what you can do at that point is export data from application discovery service into Athena and create visualizations of dependency maps. So that it's, it's, it's an eye candy for you to go and see what system is depending on whom. Okay? Um, I would like to invite, and, and, and we'll leave some time for Q&A, but I'd like to invite Michael um, to do a demo of Migration Hub. Let's log in real quick. There we go. Everybody, my name's uh, Michael Shashenny. I'm a product manager on the Migration Hub. I'm going to quickly walk through uh, the user experience for you and be sure to leave some time for here at the end. So Narav mentioned that there are two workflows uh, to using the hub. You can get started by performing discovery using the application discovery service. Migrating. Uh, the workflow I'm going to show you now is the migrate without performing discovery. So the first thing you would do uh, is you log into the AWS console uh, and you'd connect the migration tools that you're going to use during your migration to in the hub. And so here on the left, we have the main navigation. At the top level is that dashboard Narav showed, and I'll show that at the end. The discover section is the existing application, sorry, the existing application discovery service, and it's embedded now inside the migration hub console. And the migrate section is our new migration tracking functionality that we launched in August. And if I go to the tools section, and there's a guided getting started experience when you're a new user, uh, when you come to the hub. Uh, and it'll direct you here to the tools section to connect your tool. So here are tools. So under server migration tools, we have, we have four tools. Narav mentioned uh, three of them. The server migration service, added data, add motion, cloud and door live migration. Those, and and uh, Resimi, those all help you with migrating your servers into AWS when you're doing rehost or lift and shift migrations. And then under database tools today, we have the database migration service. This will be here, this dis disconnect button here in the left would be a connect button for you. And if you're an admin or you have admin rights on the console, you can just click that for AWS tools. It will add the appropriate IAM role. Uh, alternatively, if you hit documentation link, it'll take you to the documentation uh, and you can manually do it if you manage your roles another way. And so it's very easy to connect your tools and try to use the hub for tracking. And so once connected, any tasks I create in the server migration service, the database migration service, or our partner tools will now appear inside the migration hub in US West 2 
And so what I'm going to do is <clears throat> I'm going to go to uh, database migration service now that I've connected it. Uh, I have a link right here. And so this is a just-in-time workflow. And so because I, uh, I'm not getting in app groupings from a CMDB uh, using the CLI, I'm going to first create the task I want to, for the database I want to migrate, uh, and then I'm going to group those tasks inside the migration hub. And so from the database migration service, I can go to tasks, and you see I have quite a few here, and I can create it. Now, I've already uh, created a source endpoint, and I have a target database. And this will go, this will go very quickly. There's not, not many, not much data in this data. Well, I have a full. So what he, you can, with DMS, by table, schema, uh, especially part of your create that tab, it's now creating it here in DMS. And so while it's creating it, I'm going to go back to the migration hub. And under servers, I can talk a little bit about what I already have. So in this particular account, I have, I've done quite a few things already. I've done some migrations with Cloud Endor, done some with database migration service further down on the list are some with added data uh, and migration service. And so as tasks, they appear inside the migration hub. And then I can group them as an application from here in the hub on the console, uh, or I could do that from the CLI. And that's what Narab mentioned. You could also bulk import using the CLI app groupings. And you can create a new app grouping uh, or add to an existing app grouping. And so, Let's see if the DMS task, yep, there it is. So the DMS task I created now has a server associated with it. I didn't actually remember this server. I'm migrating it in DMS. It has shown up inside the hub. And so I'll add that to an existing application. I've got quite a few reInvent apps here, uh, example apps. Uh, let's, let's pull it into this, this one here, the speaker manager. And now when I go to the application section under migrate, if I'm ready to move that app, there, I get the details, the number of servers in that application, and I get an application migration status. This is the first in the migration hub. Uh, and as I can see, some of these apps are already migrated. Uh, two are in progress, and several are not started. The application status. And so you, the migration lead, will change that. Now let me go into the speaker manager and talk a little more about that. So as you can see, the speaker manager here is in progress. If I wanted to change that, I can do that here. You can also do this from the CLI. Could automate this. Um, and only reported today, the not, not started in progress. Uh, and so you don't have to change this very often because there's a lot of steps between in progress and completed, like final over acceptance testing. Um, but everything below in this diagram in the table, similar to the table Narav showed in the presentation, our status is automatically being reported by the migration tools. So this particular app has uh, several database migration service servers being moved, uh, one here from SMS uh, and one from Cloud Endor. Uh, if I go to the table, I get even more. I can see the results. Uh, so I got these endpoint, the target endpoint DMS is moving. Uh, I see that the SMS one, I, I created an error on purpose uh, for this demo to show that uh, what it looks like when an error occurs. Uh, and Cloud Endor is 
has a mode where it's continuously replicating, and that's what it's in right now. That's why it's not completed. And so your migration lead might spend time see all the statuses grouped into a single application. And then as they update the application migration status and all these updates are the tools you're using, your key stakeholders and your migration leads might go to the top-level dashboard. And that's what we have here. And so you can very clearly see with most recently updated applications here up top, which apps that were recently updated and have an error. That's the, the red part of the circle. And so I would click through to those and troubleshoot the issue. Today, uh, up until launching the hub, this was a manual process. Often customers would update uh, project management tools manually. And so now, you don't going further down, you can see Rob showed this already. Uh, I have the total for all the applications I've grouped. What's the status of their migration? I don't have a lot of historical data, so my migrated apps over time is, is not very interesting. Uh, so this is another account I have with a little more history. As you can see, I've picked up my migrations ahead of reInvent. Uh, and overall, for the six-month time window, I've migrated eight applications in the last six months. Uh, in particular, for this month, that's what the green chart shows you. Uh, and you can, as you get more history, you can change the time window. You'll get six-month, 12-month, and all time. Uh, and with that, that's the, that's the demo. We still have a few more minutes, uh, and I think we'd like to dedicate that to Q&A. Nirav, if you want to. And we have, we have mics on either end, uh, if you wanted to open a question. Hello? Yeah, sorry, we got a warning that we got three minutes. So me and Michael will be available after the session outside of the room, so if we don't cover your question, we're definitely available. If you have multiple applications on a given server, is there an ability to see whether one has been migrated or a differentiation between the two? Yes. So if you look at the dashboard and the top view, there are three different applications which it's reporting right now. So it's very specific to a given application. If you look at the middle part of the screen, out of, say, 30 applications, you haven't, you have not at all started 20 of them, they will be available in that, or they'll be reported as a green, oh, sorry, as a gray bar, saying you haven't even started with those 20 applications. So the dashboard is very specific to applications. Is the question, could servers be in multiple applications? Is that? Yes, you want to migrate uh, half of them. Yeah. And, and track that. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, how do the uh, third-party tools get built? In other words, we, we've Cloud Endora as a, a per, per, per VM charge for migrating. How, how does that? How do I see that in the bill? Will I see that in my Amazon bill as a marketplace, or will I see it a new bill straight from Cloud Endora? Depends on how you purchase it. So uh, via the hub, we link to the marketplace entry. Uh, I, don't, I can't speak for each tool if they support buying outside the marketplace. Uh, but you have some flexibility there, uh, depending on the tool. Thanks. Does the tool, uh, uh, and you showed basically ADS integration into the hub, right? Yep. Does it also integrate with like Cloudscape or some other discovery tools like Tadem? Not right now, not right now. But obviously we're building out a lot of integrations. The tool's fairly young at this point, about two months old. Right. But we're building out a lot more so it's integrations. So in the roadmap. Yes. Thank you. Okay. And I think we're out of time, but uh, Narav and I will be available. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll hang out in the lobby. Questions. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Appreciate your coming.